Before we stand for the reading of the word of the Lord, I want to put it all into context for you as we've been undertaking a study of the book of Matthew. Uh, a, a quick revisiting. The book of Matthew, uh, there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The book of Matthew was written by a guy named Matthew. His first name was Levi, and he was actually a Pharisee or a, 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 a Sanhedrin. And um, he was likely a priest. And he was so sickened by religious hypocrisy that he sided with the enemies of Israel, which is the Romans, and he became a tax collector. And he was very involved in Roman government and despised by his people. And then the Lord ministered to him. And so when you see this account that Matthew writes, it's, it's writing from a position of a man who can, can sense and see religious hypocrisy immediately. And so when Jesus is giving this Sermon on the Mount, which when we go to Israel in November, if you come with us, you'll get to see that location. And, and Jesus walks up the hill and his, his disciples follow him and he begins to teach them. And we've gone through a great portion of the Sermon on the Mount already in chapter 5 with the Beatitudes, uh, the, this, this idea of being happy. And he says, blessed, which means, oh, how happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And he lays out this foundation with each principle of what it's like to have your life completely transformed by the Lord and what that looks like. And he's teaching his disciples that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the merciful, they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall see God. On and on and on, he lays this out. And then as that Christian foundation is established and we see this transformation of our life, then Jesus goes into saying, you will be the salt of the earth and the light of the world as we studied with Brad Cummings last week and this idea of, of, of salt being used to, to penetrate and illuminate salt and light. And it, and it goes through this picture where Jesus, who is God, is saying, you've heard that it's said, and he quotes the sixth commandment, thou shalt not commit murder, but I say to you, if you're angry with your brother... He says, you've heard this as a, said that thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say if you have lust in your heart. And so he's, he's getting to the heart of the law. The law is there, but at the heart of every matter is a matter of the heart. And he's taking each of these issues in Exodus 20 in the Decalogue of the Ten Commandments, and he's saying, this is what's wrong, but this is what causes it. And he gets to the heart of the law. And he lays this out, and we've gone through all of that in Matthew 5, and now we come to chapter 6, and he, he brings in and ushers in this term father. Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus the Son, ushers in this term father. And for the Jews listening, they have never, they have never comprehended this idea of God the Father, of, of which Matthew writes over 15 times, father. Any Jew would hear that, and, and whether it would be Moses or Abraham or Ezekiel or David, they've never heard the term father used personally. They've heard it in regards to he's the father of the nation of Israel, but never my father. And so what Matthew is putting forward as a Jew himself and as, as a Pharisee, he's putting forward a relationship with the living God that every one of those readers or those listeners, their minds were blown. And, and that's where we are this morning in that here, the God who holds the heavens in the span of his hand, the God of the universe, wants to have a personal relationship with you and with me. He uses the term our father, but he also uses your father. He uses it corporately and, and personally, corporately and personally. And he lays this out in three segments that we're going to take a look at, dealing with three aspects of faith. He, he, he deals, first of all, with charitable giving, then he deals with prayer, and then he deals with fasting. So giving, prayer, and fasting, giving, prayer, and fasting. These are three acts of faith that any believer struggles with. 
Why in the world would you give to a God you don't believe in? That's just stupid. Why would you pray to a God you don't believe in? Why would you give up food and fast or give up anything in regards to a God you don't believe in? These are acts of faith. These are acts of faith. And, and he says some people will do it because they want the praise of man. And, and this is true. I mean, we love to see thermometers as they rise, as we do our giving. We love to see our name on a plaque on a wall. You know, oftentimes there's churches that'll put a plaque on anything if somebody will donate money. And those churches don't need pastors. They need dentists because they have plaque disease, right? <laughs> and I, I worked at a church like that. Everywhere you look, the pew had a plaque. The wall had a plaque. The, the diaper dispenser had a plaque. The rocking chair had a plaque. You're like, really? And, 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 that is our nature, is we want, we want to do it so that men can see us. And we'll even, in t- at times, engage in prayer. And, and we try to impress people, and we go into Old English with thou's and these, and, and you know, with a deep Ken Graves voice, uh, you know, Shakespearean voice. And we want to impress people with our ability to lead in prayer. Um, oftentimes, people say, Pastor, will you pray? Lord, thank you for this food. Amen. Oh, well, isn't that what you want me to do? Do you want me to do a devotional? I'm not really sure what you're at. My, uh, some people just wax on and on and on. Karate kid. But here, Matthew is writing down the words of Christ who wants to draw every person within a listening ear into a personal relationship with God the Father. That is unbelievable to the Jewish mind. And for all of us here, this is pretty remarkable. This God who holds the heavens in the span of his hand wants to have a relationship with you, personal relationship. He wants to talk with you, and he wants to talk to you and wants to hear from you. He wants to bless you. He wants to teach you how to rely on him. He wants to show you what it's like to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him and to see that blessing comes in yieldedness. He wants to show you that to be great in God's kingdom is to be a servant of all. He wants to show you these principles that have everlasting value that lead people into the presence of this God who is your father, that they too could have that kind of a relationship. He wants this intimacy for the world to see that they will, you'll know that they're, they, they, will, they will see your love and know that you are my disciples. And, and even Jesus says, Father, as you and I are one, may they be one. And that's why he begins the prayer with our father, because it's corporate as believers. We all have the same dad. We all have the same dad. And it's hard for us to comprehend this idea of father. But in this passage of scripture, which is to me one of the most precious in my own Christian walk, I pray today it would be the same for you as we study it together. So please stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. We're going to pick up at chapter 6, verse 1. I'm going to read 18 verses. You'll be standing for a little bit, but quit whining. I stand the whole time. (laughs) Jesus speaking to his disciples says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds, your giving, before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And when you pray, not if, but when, when you pray, 
You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, in this manner, and again, in this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Lord, please lead us into all truth, Holy Spirit. Father, please reveal your heart to us that we as your children would come to know you as Papa. Bless us now, Lord, we pray. We thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I prayed openly, didn't I? Yes? Jesus is not saying that you can't be seen by men. There's no way to get around it in most cases. Uh, when you give at the church, somebody in the church is going to know. We've got to cash that check. I don't know. I learned a long time ago, I don't want to see who gives what. I get embittered to some, and I'm shocked by others. <laughs> Maybe that didn't surprise you. I thought that was kind of cool. But the idea is you think, you, you think one person to be generous and another person not to be, and then when the results come, you're realizing, wait a minute, I've got this all backwards. And giving is an interesting thing because your heart starts to be moved. And as a pastor, if you see who's giving what, you're, you're, you're prone to wanting to cater to those folks. And even, even Paul points that out to Peter, don't do that. And so I removed myself from that altogether. And, and, and what we have in common, if you're placing judgment on me, you're just like me. What we have in common is the sin nature. We, we're, we're prone to try to manipulate things. We're prone to try to grasp those kind of things. And in addition, whether we say we do or we don't, we want recognition. We want people to know what we're doing. We want to receive the praise. We want to receive the glory oftentimes you'll get people say, you know, pastor, I, I'm ugly and I, I don't love myself. And my response is, you love yourself a whole lot. No, I don't. I hate myself. No, you, no, you, you, you love yourself. How can you say that? Because if you hated yourself, you'd be dead. What? No, you love yourself. I know that sounds strange. You love yourself because all you really want is negative attention because you want attention either way. You want attention. I mean, whenever you look at a family photograph, the first person you look for is you. First person you look in the mirror when you get up is you. 
And even in, in saying, I don't love myself, what you're saying is, could you tell me why you love me? And tell me a lot? Right in the vein? We want attention any way we can get it. We're human beings. And when the Lord takes hold of our life and we deny ourselves, pick up our cross, really what we're doing is we're dying to ourselves and we're living to Christ. And then we become other-centered instead of self-centered. And then we deny ourselves. And this is where the fasting comes in. People often say, you know, I'm hypoglycemic, I can't fast. I get that. But can you fast from television? Can you fast from arguing with your spouse? Everybody can fast from something. That which possesses you, that which drives you. Can you put your phone down? <laughs> that's, that's harder than food, isn't it? It's like an umbilical cord. <laughs> and yet God is calling you to deny yourself those things that drive you, the things you wake up for. Is, it, is the first thing you reach for when you wake up in the morning your Bible or is it your phone? And the Lord is saying, I'm here. I want to spend time with you. I, I struggle. I really do. I struggle sitting in my living room with my family and everybody's on their phone looking down. I'm thinking, why should we get together? I should go somewhere else and then text you. <laughs> These intimate electronic conversations are so touching. And the emoticons just make me feel warm. And yet what God is saying is deny yourself for the sake of others. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, be a servant of all. He talks about charitable giving, and it's this idea of alms in the, in the King James Version. It's above and beyond what they call the tithe. This is what you would do for the poor. This is what you would do in addition to already giving to the temple the tithe, the tenth of your income. And that's difficult for people to do. We say we love the Lord, but when it comes to giving, that is not an act of faith in the body of Christ. Corporately, across the country, throughout the churches in America, uh, the, the general population of the church gives to the church less than 1.5% of their income. They don't, they don't grasp the concept of a tenth, a tithe. And oftentimes people say, well, that's legalism. And I say, it is. That's an Old Testament principle, legalism, a tenth. I agree. But I also agree that grace is greater than the law. So you can go with Old Testament or new. I have no problem either way. See, nobody's giggling now, are they? Because when we look at it, we struggle over that. That's money, isn't it? And money is freedom because it gives us choices. Why would I give that away? You give it away because you agree with the kingdom principle that God wants to reach the world. When Tonio and Lindsay are up here, you're thinking, well, I already give enough. What is enough? Deny yourself. And, and yet... This is what God's called us to, and giving is a great struggle for the human heart. Now, we'll give if they're going to put our name on something. Even the world knows how to give. I, I'm part of the city council. There's, every, every building in the city that was built with, with private funds has somebody's name on it. They love the recognition, and that's all they got. You see, God knows that, that we, will, we will always be known by men by what we do. I prayed, and you heard me out loud, and, and is, is that prayer ineffective? No, it's effective. God knows we'll be seen by men, but what he's saying is it's, it's, you don't do it for that reason. It's the motivation of the heart. At the heart of every issue is an issue of the heart. It's what is your motivation for doing what you do? Do you want people to, to be focused on you, or is it because you want to bring glory to the Lord? People will see what you do. People will, will obviously see that. You'll be seen by men, but look, don't let that be why you do it. 
because you want the praise of man. We want God to be glorified. We want him to be elevated. We want him to be lifted up. And so the Lord lays this out and he says that when you give, do it quietly, do it secretly, do it in such a way as not to bring attention to yourself. You know, my, my daughter and my new son-in-law, they, they wanted to get married in late November. That's really special. You're not laughing and you will in a moment. Uh, we're in the Christmas season right now and for all of you who know, it's kind of expensive at Christmas. They wipe me out. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they did a number on me. <laughs> and we're coming into Christmas, and, you know, it's, it's, it's tight. And usually my prayer before the Lord is, as you see this, 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 in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I begin with, you know, Father in heaven, and, and I kind of skip the other part, thy kingdom come. I just kind of jump in and go, I've screwed up again. I need your help. And Lord, I know you to be gracious and merciful and patient and abounding in love. And um, can you help me? Would you? And I think about my children when they were young. And they would ask for something. And they would ask in faith. Michael is the worst of all the meaning the best. Relentless. He never stops asking. And I, I can tell him a thousand, no, no. You know what? No. And, and I, I, I lay it out. He doesn't stop. He's just, he's going to be a great salesman. Just persistent, waiting for the clothes. Can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? No, 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 no. And he turns it into a song. Can I have a cookie? Can I have a cookie? You know, and finally you just yield. Take it. I have my kingdom, whatever. Just go away. And, And this is the persistence because he knows he has a relationship with his father and he knows I have the, the capacity and the ability to give and I want to bless him. And I want to give them those things that are good. There are times I'll say no because I know it's not good for them. But if it's within your ability to give, you give. And, and, and that persistence is based on a relationship. And that's our Father in heaven. And, and I, re- I remember I've had a really great season of prayer and, and devotion with the Lord. And I was telling him, I just said, you know, Lord, we've gone through Thanksgiving. It's kind of tight. And I just, I just ask for your mercy and your grace in this regard. Michelle and I were at a party on Friday and we had no idea, and, and somebody came up and blessed us. And, and I was blown away. So was Michelle. And, and they have no idea of knowing where we were or what we were doing, but it was, it was, it was a miracle. It, it couldn't have been anything more than that. I mean, it's just, it was a miracle. And, and in addition, they gave a check to the church. And I called Tony, Pastor Tony. And we call Tony T-Money if we have money. We call him Tight Tony if we don't. And I called tight Tony and I said, it's time to be T-Money again. I said, you know, God blessed us because it was, it was a really tough season. And we had prayed as a staff and, you know, we don't let that need be known. I just, it was met. And it blew me away in relation to that. And that's how the Lord works. You tell him your need in secret, you wait upon him. And in addition, he's generous when you're generous. He gives when you give. You can't outgive the Lord. And receiving that gift was, I knew the heart of the individual giving it. They didn't want accolades or recognition. They gave because it was their heart. And the Lord knows that man will know, but he wants you to realize that that cannot be your motivation. It's because God has told you to do this. And so witnessing this, this is what Jesus is telling us. He said, this is a relationship with your father, your father. If the father asks something of you as a child, you do it. 
And when you ask of the Father, he responds to you in like. He gives to you. First of it, it's, it's obedience to the Father, doing it as unto him. And then secondly, we have the ability to ask of him through this, this manner of prayer. And there are often times that he'll ask you to give up something that you don't want to give up, but you do it in obedience, and you always are enriched and blessed by that. These are all acts of faith. Giving and prayer and fasting. Giving and prayer and fasting. These are all acts of faith. And again, you may not be able to fast food. My wife can't. She, if she goes without a meal, she perishes. She's just frail. She, it's, you know, she's sweet, but can't handle without being food. She's like, I feel, uh, boom, and down, out. It's, you know, it's crazy. You think of Daniel, he only, he only ate what, 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 what was grown. They called it the Daniel fast. I mean, really, you can do without your phone. You can do without certain things. But this is to have a connection with your father. He wants a relationship with you. This is what's so different in Christianity of every other religion in the world. He's not a capricious God waiting to stomp on you. He's a loving father who wants to have an abiding relationship with you. And so when he lays out, this is what the law says, but this is the heart of the law. This is what the law says, but this is the heart of the law. It's not adultery, it's lust. It's not murder, it's anger. And he goes through this, and in this passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 6, he just continues along the lines of Exodus 20 of the Decalogue of the Ten Commandments. When he he says in the prayer time, he says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You think of the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, it begins with this. And God spoke these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself carved images of any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or on the earth beneath and at the water and underneath the earth. And you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the third and fourth generation, those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands and those who love me, to keep my brothers at all. And you're like, wow, that's heavy. And the Jews are like, I don't want to mess with that God. And Jesus says, that's the Ten Commandments. That's the law. Now let me tell you the relationship. Our Father. In heaven. Holy is your name. That's, that's the access you have to the God of the universe. Everything in Exodus 20 is true. But in Matthew 6, it's for you. And for me, because of Jesus, we have a relationship with the Father of all. The God of the universe wants to have intimate time with you. And that's precious. And, he, and he, he goes on to, de- to declare all these things. He says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. All Jesus says is, hallowed be your name. It's a relationship of grace and a relationship of mercy, a relationship of peace. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and none uh, and do no work, but on the seventh day, and he goes on and on and on, but yet the Lord just says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You just want to be about the will of the Father. And, and, and this idea of, of a child, Papa, give us this day our daily bread. You know, the kids, when they were young, and we were, things were tighter in a tambourine. We didn't have two nickels to rub together. They never went into the refrigerator going, oh, I hope there's food. They never turned on the switch and go, I hope the electric bill was paid. No, no, they just turn on the light and open it up and eat whatever's there. They had no idea it was second harvest food. They had no idea. It just, it, let's just say, hey. And that's, that's your father. And, and really what we're saying as children is, I, just, can I have a cookie? 
And the Lord wants us to pray in such a way to have this relationship with him that just meet my daily need. Don't give me so much that I forget you or too little that I, I resent you. Just meet my need. It's almost like manna. And it's this, this abiding relationship. And this abiding relationship comes in the form of forgiving our debt as we forgive our debtors. We have a great debt to God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There are none righteous, no, not one. All of us are his children by the simple fact that Jesus paid the penalty and paid our debt that we could have a right relationship with the Father and call him Papa. And so when there's a person who's wronged us, what a horrible thing in the family of God to hold them in contempt while we ourselves receive his forgiveness but yet don't extend it. You see, the Ten Commandments are horizontal and vertical. Our relationship with each other is in direct correlation with our relationship with God. If we receive forgiveness, we need to give it. And this is what he's saying in this relationship with, with our Father. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. God tempts no one. The devil tempts. God allows it for a testing, but not a temptation. And while you're being tempted, you just say, God, deliver me from temptation. You know what I'm up against. You know, you think about Gene, December 7th, one year without alcohol, white knuckle, passed with his dad and all the struggles with his mom, and here he is just saying, God, help me. And God doesn't lead you into temptation. He delivers you from the evil one. He knows what you're up against. He knows what you're going to face. And there's enough grace to get you through it. No temptation has seized you, but that which is common to man. When you're being tempted, God will give you a way out. Ask him. He's a wonderful father. And yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's this idea of a relationship with the father. Jesus said, in this manner, pray. It's, it's, It's to have a relationship with God. The words themselves aren't holy. It's a model. It's a model for relationship for all of God's children. And I think this because here in chapter 6, 15 times the word father is used by Matthew. Matthew's just blown away as every other Jew in that, that hilltop. I can have a relationship with God like that, yes. In addition, the word reward is used seven times in the passage. And the word reward is this idea that when you do these things, God blesses you. Like parents bless their kids when they do what's right. Honor your mother and father. It'll go well with you. You'll live long on the earth. That's your only role as a kid is to obey your parents. You live long on the earth. Is anyone else in here hot? No? So the women, no, this is perfect. And guys are like, oh my gosh. Well, just do something because I'm about to faint up here. I'm on fire. God wants to bring us into a relationship with himself. And as I was looking at this passage of Scripture, this idea of charitable giving, this idea of prayer and having this intimate conversation with God and this idea of fasting, it really brought it home in a couple of points, and I'll share those with you and I'll close. You know, I got a a text from a dear brother who had uh, commended me as he was going through his morning devotion on what had occurred Tuesday night at the reorganization meeting for the city and how it really reflected the heart of the Lord. And as I I read his words, they were so kind and encouraging, but as I read them, I felt I was unworthy to receive them. Because truth be told, Tuesday night, and I'll explain it to you in a minute, Tuesday night, Rob McCoy did not want to do what happened. You see, at the end of the year, there's a reorganization meeting where the sitting mayor steps aside, and the one next in line, the mayor pro tem, which is, the mayor was uh, Joel Price, and then the mayor pro tem, Claudia Bilde La Pena, was to take his place as the new mayor. And then the next in line, who is scheduled, then takes the position of mayor pro tem. Well, having won re-election, I'm the next in line for mayor pro tem. 
And I was really excited about it. I'd been bragging about it. I was thinking, you know, I'm <laughs> Air Pro 10, move aside, coming through. And, uh, you know, and then a year from now, I'm going I'm, I'm to be mayor. And then you can call me the right, uh, Honorable Right Reverend or your gracious, forthright, magnanimous, illustrious potentate. And, I, and I'm watching all the accolades and the past mayor speaking to Joel. And I've been through this once before with Al, and I'm like, this is going to be so cool. And, and then, ah, they give you plaques and awards, and you get a little bit. <laughs> and I was scheduled to be mayor pro tem. Well, one of the council members, they're all my friends, but one of the council members said, you know, I've, I've, I've had seven terms on the council, and I'd like to end my seventh term as mayor in 18. And I was asking, I, was, I wanted to ask you if I could, I, I could go in line ahead of you. I'm, uh, I'm sorry, what? If I could take the spot of mayor pro tem and then, and, and then I'd, I'd be mayor the following year. So you mean I have to wait a year before I can be honorable, right, reverend? And, and, and in my flesh, it's like, no. I've been in four elections in two years. I worked hard for this. I want to and, and that was inside. On the outside, I'm like, I'll, I'll, let me pray about that. And I prayed, I prayed, I prayed earnestly, and I asked the Lord, and I was going through my devotion, and the Lord just pointed out, if it's within your ability to give, give, and if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, be a servant of all. And if you can bless somebody, do it. And I just thought, Lord, this is your heart, it's not mine. I want. <laughs> but I, I knew God wanted that. And so it came time, and based on the Brown Act, I'm not allowed to tell anyone else other than the person I'd communicated with. So Mayor Bill de la Pena didn't know. She was excited about me being Mayor Pro Tem with her, and I was looking forward to it. And that was really a highlight for me. I really wanted to serve with her. And so she takes the spot as mayor, and she says, do we have any nominations for Mayor Pro Tem? And she looks to me, and waiting for a nomination. And uh, I said, uh, I... I I pressed my speaker button and, and she was kind of shocked because she thought I'm going to nominate myself, <laughs> which I probably would have. And, uh, and I said, um, Mayor, uh, I'd, I'd like to nominate Andy Fox as Mayor Pro Tem. And she's baffled. She's like, um, this is for Mayor Pro Tem. And she was, I could see in her face, she was confused. And the other two council members were silent and I, I jumped in ahead of them and, and they, they were kind of baffled and uh, she said, are there any other nominations? And they were silent. They, what's going on here? And, uh, and she said, okay, there's no nominations. Let's vote. And it was five nothing. And she's still baffled. And, and now it's time for each of them to speak at the conclusion of the meeting. And, and Al speaks. And then Joel speaks. And uh, Mayor Bill de la Pena turns to me. And I speak. And I said, you know, I had the privilege, Mayor, to uh, serve under uh, Mayor Adam and observe his leadership style as mayor. And I had the privilege to observe that with Mayor Price. And I'm going to have the distinct privilege to witness that with you. And Andy, who is the second longest serving council member in the history of the city, um, the privilege to, to witness his leadership style. And I used a Jimi Hendrix quote uh, where he said, you know, if you, if you want knowledge, you study. But if you want wisdom, you observe. And I said, and so I'm going to be observing. And, uh, and then Andy spoke up. and He said, you know, thank you, Rob, for that opportunity. And and it was really sweet. Well, Mayor Bill de la Pena called me that Wednesday after that, and she said, you know, Rob, that, that was really, you know, I, I, was, I was moved by your chair, 
you know, your charity and your kindness. And, and I told her, I said, Claudia, the thing I, I, I struggled with the most was not having the opportunity to serve with you as mayor pro tem. But I knew that this was something I could do. And she was touched by it, and, and our hearts are knitted. She is a precious, and she's the one, and this is what was so fascinating, she's the one who willingly wrote a letter of recommendation for my son to Congresswoman Brownlee for trying to get a nomination to the Naval Academy. And, uh, and, and the letter she wrote was so sweet. And, and it, it knitted our heart together. And it was so sweet what God did. If it was Rob McCoy, it would have never have happened. The Lord is the one who said, do this. And I share this with you because yesterday, um, I went with my son. In the morning, I had been with a, a member of the congregation who was dying early in the morning, and then I, I came back, and Daniel and I had to go for his interview with Congresswoman Brownlee's office to seek a nomination for the Naval Academy. And they've got 41 candidates going forward, the cream of the crop in this area, and Congresswoman Brownlee, is, she does due diligence. They had a panel all set, I think six or eight people around this panel, all Naval or Service Academy graduates. And, and I went there with Daniel and sat down with an Air Force major and um, met all the representatives in the office. And it was, it was intense. And Danny had been studying and ready for this. And, and we get in there. And, and, and before we stepped into the office, Danny and I were in the car and we prayed. And all these things are going through his head and his his uncle had given him all these facts, uh, you know, current events, and we'd been, you know, briefing him on stuff, and he's, you know, he's just like, and, and I just said, let's stop for a second. I said, Lord, you bring us into the court of kings, and you give us the words to speak, even when we don't know what to say. And I pray you do that for Daniel. Order his steps. You brought him this far. Give him the things to speak. And the one thing that left my mouth that I was really blessed by is I said, you know, Danny, when you joined the football team, and the conversation we had when you were young was, you know, Dad, I want to be quarterback, but, but they need somebody on the offensive line. He says, son, I'm not concerned about your football career as much as I am with your character. You serve that coach and that team in any capacity you're needed, whether it's on the line or whether it's a center or whether it's special teams or if you're put on the bench, you bless that coach. It's your character I'm concerned about, not your career. And, and one of the things I said to him in our conversation, I said, son, the greater your willingness to serve, the greater your capacity to lead. And that's, we kind of left it there and we went into the, into the meeting and, and he goes in and sits down and, you know, they grilled him and he shared that. And he said, I want to be a Navy SEAL. I've wanted that since I was eight years old. And, and one of the, the officers said, well, it sounds like you'd rather be a SEAL than an officer. He said, no, sir, if I'm not accepted as a SEAL, I'm taking flight training classes. I'm, I'm willing to be a pilot for the Navy. Uh, in football, I was willing to play lineman, offensive lineman, linebacker, long snapper, special teams. I'll go wherever the Navy needs me. Uh, and, and he said, the greater your willingness to serve, the greater co- your capacity to lead. And the commander's like, that's the way to do it. So, arr, arr. And, and uh, Danny came out and he gave me a bump and I, I had a piece from the Lord. And last night at around seven o'clock, he got a call from Congressman Brownlee's office that he's been nominated for the Naval Academy. And, and I, I texted uh, Claudia Bill de la Pena and I said, Claudia, thank you so much for your letter of reference. Danny got... Um, a nomination. She says, I, I'm so excited and I'm overjoyed and I thank God for that. And I said, I said, I said, um, Claudia, I thank God for you and, and, uh, Congresswoman Brownlee. And, and it's, it's, it's how the Lord works and our hearts are knitted. And I was blessed by that because the wisdom I shared with my son is not mine. You want to talk about a relationship with a father? 
Anything I was able to impart to my son did not come from my lips. They came from the lips of my heavenly father who imparted them to me. My dad did the best he could, but I don't remember reading the Bible or praying with my dad growing up. He was a good man, and he served this country faithfully, and he passed away this year, and I miss him. I miss him. I know how proud he'd be of Daniel right now. He was a Navy captain, three tours of Vietnam. Never got that privilege to, to hear that or see that. But as I was reflecting on that, I thought about Gene. Gene was told by his father that his mother wanted nothing to do with him, and he lived under that perception all his life. And to realize that his heavenly father had a whole different plan, that in a year of celebrating sobriety by trusting in the Lord, saying, lead me not into temptation, God blesses him with a family he never knew he had. This is how God works. He blesses his kids. You press in and you watch what God does. You yield, you fast, you give those things to God and he blesses you abundantly. When I came into a relationship with the Lord, I had no idea what it was like to be a father. I'd learned some things from my dad, but even my dad struggled. And he did the best he could. I remember when one of the things that touched me the most about my dad is when I had left Tulane University. I came back to San Diego and I just wanted to surf and hang out with my girlfriend. I didn't want to go to school at that school anymore. And I didn't want to go to school at all anyways. My dad said, you're going to go to school. I said, no, I'm just going to enlist in the Navy. He says, well, you're not going to live here because any child living in this house is going to get a college degree. That's all he knew. Of all of, of his siblings, he was the only one ever to receive a college degree, and he wanted all of his kids to do the same. And I was the last one remaining. And he pushed me. And, and I said, well, you know, I was upset at him because he gave my car away. I said, well, how am I supposed to go to San Diego Mesa and get my, my eligibility back, NC2A, to compete if you've taken my car away? The bus doesn't go to San Diego Mesa. And he says, you're going to go to San Diego City College. I'm like, that, that, that place is a dump. It's a high school with ashtrays. I said, it's in the inner city, Dad. And the bus drops you off at the rescue mission. You walk seven or eight blocks past all the prostitutes and drug dealers and homeless. I do that, I'm going to be dead, and you're going to, you're, my blood's going to be on your hands. What kind of a dad are you? I was, I was brutal. And he goes, that's what you're going to do. And he didn't waver. I was like, wow, he isn't moving. Sure enough, I figured out the bus schedule, took that bus over. It did exactly what I said it'd do. Dropped me off in front of the rescue mission, walked the seven to eight blocks over to the school. Hey, you want something? Hey, hi, handsome. <laughs> I would have never learned how to drive, the, be on the bus. I would have never learned anything about the inner city. I wouldn't, I wouldn't known any of that had my dad not done it. And I got through that, and then I got a job, and I paid for a car, and I ended up going to San Diego Mason. I got my eligibility back. I got a scholarship to Fresno State. I graduated. I got the degree. My dad was thrilled. He was so proud of all those four college degrees. And, yeah, not, not my four, my three siblings and me. I don't know what you're thinking. And, and I, I share this with you because that was my earthly father. And I was rough on him, but he wanted the best for me. And as frail as he was and as... As, as flawed as he was, he wanted the best. And your heavenly father is exponentially more committed to your welfare and your well-being than, than your dad ever could have been. Even if he had a rotten dad, I want you to know you can trust your heavenly father. He wants to have that relationship with you. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to take him in his word. 
When my mom was dying in 2010, she asked me to come and see her and she had just finished the surgery and she was really lamenting over the surgery because she was in her 80s and she had lung surgery for the cancer and it wasn't going well. And she, when I walked into the room, I walked in not as her son, but as her pastor and she was looking forlorn out the window and I remember she looked over her shoulder at me and, and she just looked back out the window and she said, Rob, have I made a mistake? I said, mom, what do you mean? She said, by having the surgery, have I made a mistake? And I said, you know, I don't know. And it seems like it's been trauma on your body, but I do know this. The Bible says, forget what's behind and strive for what is ahead. Mom, if the surgery is successful, you'll have more years with it. If it's not, you'll get to go and be with the Lord. Either way, it's a win. She said, you're right. And she settled right there. And I watched her countenance change and the strength just infuse her body as she trusted the, the Lord, her father, with that. And then she said, Rob, I need to tell you a couple things. Two things that have had an enormous impact on my life, but this one I want to share with you. She said, Rob, do you remember when you were so cruel to your dad about him making you take the bus? I said, yeah, he deserved it. (laughs) She said, Rob, do you know that your father followed that bus every day to make sure you were all right? It's those, those kind of things in life that make you realize how good your heavenly father is. If my earthly father could be that way, your heavenly father is exponentially greater. He has outlined for you what he wants to have in your life, and that's an abiding relationship where you trust him and he trusts you. You see, Daniel, my son, walked into that meeting with a confidence and wisdom to be able to share that came and imparted to me by my heavenly father that was given to my son. That boy is so not like me. And yet what God has done in his life is a result of what he's done in mine. Now, I made a joke to Congresswoman Brownlee's assistant, and it's kind of a a crass joke, but I thought it was very funny. (laughs) And for those of you who are about to hear it, listen carefully so that you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. (laughs) But this young man, his name is Jason, he said, Daniel is a remarkable young man. At which point I said to him, Daniel is proof that my wife has committed adultery because that boy cannot be mine. (laughs) At which point he laughed. Now Michelle's never committed adultery, please understand that. It's hyperbole. But that's how I feel, that anything that's imparted to his life is a direct result of my relationship with the Father. And he's even reconciled my earthly father to see the wisdom he imparted to me and to use it together for good. This is a gift from God to you, your Papa. And in this coming year, he wants to spend time with you. He wants you to trust him and to give where he says give and to, and to talk with him and to fast and to yield and to trust him. And I have news for you. You'll look back on your life and you'll see these blessings and you'll go, how did that happen? And your papa will say, you can never outgive me. I love you. And this is a gift from the Lord to us today. It's a Merry Christmas gift. So may God bless you and encourage you by his word in Jesus' name. Amen? God bless you guys. All right, let's have... uh, Tonio and Lindsay, they're going to 
sing us out in the presence of the Lord. And we'll be together Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. But as you spend time with your family, the beauty of what we have here is a relationship with not only the God of the universe, but more importantly, our Father. He's our Father, and personally, He's yours. And strengthen that relationship in these coming days. Amen? Amen. Let's stand.